Byron, Mississippi, it's Lakeshore Church. It does a lot for us when we talk about being together and what it means to have someone else in your life. And, uh, but Psalm 133, here it is. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. All right? Now, I got you standing. I'm not going to preach this, but uh, I, I just want to share with you. Uh, not a show of hands, but we know the difference when we're getting along and when we're not. If you show me somebody that likes to not get along with people, they got some problems, don't they? No, don't you know? Now, some of y'all are smiling. That sort of concerns me, all right? But it, it's nothing better. It's a God thing when we live in harmony. Do you know that? God desires for us to live at peace, the Scripture says, all right? But we live in harmony. It is like fine oil on the head. This is some of the stuff you need to study. Running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard unto his robes. That was when he was anointed as the priest. It is like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion. Hermon is the tallest mountain in that part of the world. It was known for precipitation. That place is known for dryness. We know about that right now, don't we? And, uh, but it was about refreshing. And then it says this, For there the Lord has appointed the blessing, life forevermore. Listen to me, folks. God is for us being together. God is not for us being alone. He, it's not good that man should be alone, so he creates someone for us, and I believe that applies to small groups as well. And so study that out. It's, it's, a good, it's a good word. All right, let's pray. We thank you, Lord. I thank you that I'm, I'm affirmed today that together we are better. And I pray, Lord, that my words will be yours, my thoughts will be yours. Most of all, all of us would walk in obedience to where you stir us, and God would be careful to give you the praise and the glory for what you do. For we ask it and pray it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Today we do conclude a, conclude a three-week look at small groups. Um, we call them around here salt and light groups. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. That can be here on this campus. It can be on Sunday. It can be on Wednesday. Uh, we have some during the week. Uh, we have some that are off the campus and uh, that are neat and uh, inform you more and more today. You'll see that as we go along. Uh, today I got to start with uh, answering the title. <laughs> uh, are we better together. Is being together better? And in that premise and that thought, that sermon title, I was just studying uh, and I came across a survey that was recently done and it blew me away. The survey was about the loneliness in America, loneliness. And the survey surmised, and it was doing of, of different age brackets and it blew me away that, that survey, and I won't tell you the basis of it, it was categorized by loneliness was living alone, having very few social ties, not having people to confide in, and fourthly, not spending time with others very often. The wow of the study that I was reading about was the loneliest group was Generation Z. Now, if you're not up on your generational categories or names, that is the youngest generation in our country. To me, when I read that, it blew me away because every one of them got one of these. I thought, there's no way. I mean, if I want to know how to do something, my kids laugh at me about what I don't know how to do with a telephone. But how in the world? How can you be the loneliest generation when you have the most technology of any, any generation's ever had? You know, I, I always say this. You know, phones, they're, they're, I say kids. I'm getting old enough to call teenagers kids, I guess. There are teenagers in the room that have never seen a telephone in the kitchen with a 20-foot cord. <laughs> I 
I mean, I'm looking around right now, and I got younger folks going, what's he talking about? You mean when y'all were kids, y'all didn't tote them around in your pocket? You know, it'd be pretty hard to tote that thing around with the cord going somewhere, wouldn't it? But it's amazing how much technology's changed. But yet, look, we got more and more way to communicate, but we're lonelier. So there's got to be something. And I'm not telling you not to go on social platforms and have your five minutes of fame. And there are times that I wish people knew they were as embarrassing as they are when they say stuff. They hadn't figured that one out yet. But I will tell you this, though. There is something to, we, don't, we need to watch it. This is just Jay, but we need to watch it when we substitute something that is not going to last. There's something, to, there's something to a social platform that's not the same as having a friend. And church, we got to be careful, too. I still feel like, and I don't want to hurt anybody, but we should never replace coming in community and I think it's one, I think the ploy, one of the, one of the ways the enemy had a heyday, and I'm talking about spiritual warfare, was COVID. If I can keep God's people away from each other, then I'm going to win some in their life. I believe that. You can just, you can say I'm a quack. You know, I, I love the one. I'm, I'm a nut, but at least I'm screwed on the right bolt, okay? I, I, I'm one of those guys. I believe that the more we stay apart, the more problem we're going to have. I know in my marriage when Sue and I, Suzanne and I come together and we, when we have time together and, and we go on a date day, we can't do date nights. We're too old for that. We'll fall asleep at the table. But when we go, we, we're better when we're together. I'm better with my kids when we're together. We're better as a church when we're together. Now, see, we can't get caught up in this big room because that's really not together. <laughs> we're here. God might move on you. You have a time with God. I might encourage you to do something like I'm asking today. But ultimately, we got to realize together we are better. It blew me away. Listen, today, I was going to say kids again, teenagers in their 20s, Gen Zs, they have more means to go and do than anyone has ever had, ever. I remember, guys, when I was your age, listen, before I had a car, I had to beg for a car to go somewhere. And a lot of times my parents didn't keep the cleanest cars. I'd have to clean them up to go out on a date. I found out real quick like that I'd rather not go out on a date than have to clean up the car to go do that. But today we all have cars. We're all going. We got the means to go and do. And yet there's more loneliness. Wouldn't you think just normally it would be better, not worse? If I got technology and I've got the means to go and do, shouldn't we be better and not worse? So there's got to be something to this that we've got to unpack it. There's times that I think we're together and it's pseudo. It's not together. It's sort of like with church. I was going to allude to this a while ago. I don't want to hurt anybody watching by Facebook because it's a great thing. The only time I have a problem with Facebook is when people are at the beach watching me on Facebook. That's the only problem I have. When there's a place somebody's sick or somebody's going and we hear something, but I'll tell you something, it would be like us trying to have a Facebook church and that's all we did. We would be the most shallow church that we, God's ever had. It has a place, but it can't be the place. You follow me? And so in this, we got to understand, always alone is not good. Together is better. When we are together, there's some words that come to mind. And thank the Lord, and you're thankful that I'm not going to preach on each one of these. But think about these words. When we're together, there's strength, there's knowledge, there's synergy, there's love, there's support, there's safety, there's camaraderie. Just some words that came to mind for me. Together, we are better. I want to give you some more details. Y'all want some more? I hope you do. When I think about together is better, first there's a signal. And the reason I said signals, I think there's something within us that will show us that we need community. I really believe it. Loneliness, they've proven this over and over, leads to emptiness. And it's a spiral. 
I can't tell you how many times I've dealt with people in church. Or I read or people have told stories about people that when they did something harmful to themselves, that they were very lonely. They felt isolated. They felt like no one cared. Nobody was there. Nobody was involved and engaged in their life. Just this past week, somebody that I've known for a couple of decades called me and wanted to talk to me as a pastor and as a friend. We talked on the phone for about 30 minutes. And at the end of it, I just shared some things, nothing original, some things I'd shared with her before. And I got a text later on and said, that just made my day. And I thought, wait a second now, I didn't share anything new. There wasn't something come from the portals of glory for her. All it was was a conversation that we had for 30 minutes on the phone, and she felt better. You know why she felt better? Because she let somebody in. It's a messed up world when we see the signals and we don't do anything with it. What I'm asking you to consider today, and we've been doing it now for two weeks, this is the third, is for us to look and say we cannot hide behind the big number and the big room like this and think that's community for our life. We even have community in this room. Look around who you're sitting with. (laughs) You know, it's amazing we have that. And I want you to consider taking it from this big room and being engaged in a smaller arena in our church. Helen Keller, you might be familiar with her. Uh, She said it best. She said this, alone we can do so little, but together we can do so much. I don't imagine where that came from. I probably need to go back and research. I just found that. But I imagine in her life, that probably spoke volumes, if you know her situation. And then there's two verses I want to highlight today. Luke chapter 17, verse 3, we find this. It says, be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. You say, what in the world does that have to do with anything? Well, to, to, to highlight what's going on in your brother's life, if you remember last week with Paul and Onesimus and, and Philemon, if you remember, you've got to be engaged in their life. You've got to be close to them to rebuke them. You've got to be close to somebody to forgive them. So this is not abstract. This is not way out there somewhere. It's somebody involved and engaged in my life. And we need to receive that. And then in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, we find this. It says, a fool's way is right in his own eyes, but whoever listens to counsel is wise. That speaks to me that if you want wisdom, you need to involve other people's counsel in your life. The moment that we think we know it all is really when we don't know much of anything. I didn't say that to you. I was talking about that person that's sitting beside you, okay? The moment we think we're there. So, that, so there is a signal that says to us, I want to show you something pretty neat. She didn't know I was going to do this, but um, a, a great gift was given to the church some time ago. Um, but uh, Judy Chance is here today. Why she made this out of lead, I do not know. <laughs> this wood, is, it's, it's probably 30 or 40 pounds, I guess. But uh, years ago, we did the, um, the youth building. And I have a fun time with Judy when I talk about the youth building. If you ever go in the youth building and you see the stage and look behind it, that, that stage and all that wall behind it is made out of pallet wood. We've actually had people that have come in and the lights were on it and they thought it was stone. But a Judy Chance is the one that put that all together. And shortly thereafter, sometime later, I don't remember Judy how long ago it was after that, she did this for me. I think I was preaching on it several years ago or something. We were some kind of thing. I don't even remember. But um, team, somebody developed this uh, acrostic a long time ago that team stands for together everyone achieves more. And I love this because just like the wall out there in the, in the youth building, there's different layers to this thing. Besides it being heavy, <laughs> there's a bunch of different sizes, a bunch of different shapes. And I want to remind you as the body of Christ that none of two of us are the same. You know, aren't you glad? Huh? Anytime somebody laughs at me, I want to laugh at them, remind them they're not like me either. I'm so glad that God broke the mold, aren't you? Don't you think of somebody you're glad that God broke the mold and didn't make another one like them? 
but seriously that we're all different? Don't we need to hear sometimes that the pieces that don't go together and don't look like everybody else, that God can take them and put them together and unity can come out of diversity? Together, everyone achieves more. Judy, that thing weighs so much. There is a signal that reminds us of that. I want you to think along those lines with me. The moment that we think we don't need anyone, and I'll say this two or three times today, I think that's a, that's a very dangerous place. Because what we're saying, if I don't need someone, then I don't need accountability. I don't need somebody's strength. I don't need somebody's help. I don't need somebody's assistance. We get in a very vulnerable place when we think we can do it all by ourselves. That works in the ministry. That works in any other capacity as well. So there's a signal. Secondly, this is significant. Don't ever, and I've been guilty of this now. Maybe it was ego. Maybe it's thinking I have everybody's attention for a few minutes. That's enough for them in their spiritual life. But over the years, I've come to understand that we need community in our life. We don't need titles. We don't need just, well, I'm a member of Lakeshore Church, and that suffices. I listen to Brother Jay, you know. I mean, I've had, I've had it all where people say different things. I've come to realize that the greatest thing that I need after salvation, I need community in my life. I need accountability to someone. I need somebody engaged in my life. I need, as, 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 as the scripture says, you'll see here again, that iron sharpens iron. I need that. This is significant. Don't undersell it. Pastor, I see what you're saying, but I'm okay. But are we really? Are we really when we don't value others like we need to or we're not vulnerable to someone else, we let somebody else in? Are we really everything that we can be? See, it's bigger than you. It's bigger than just myself. There's other people that I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to value them and impact their life, but, but surely they're supposed to impact my life. You know, when I was putting this together, it was strange. I have to say it's of the Lord because I didn't see. And I began to think, I said, man, that works. But right in the middle of study, the name Moses came to mind. You remember Moses, don't you? Great leader. <laughs> he was the leader of the exodus of the children of Israel, bringing them out of bondage, out of Egypt and, and all that. Great leader. He didn't need other people. And I began to think about it. Yes, he did. Let me show you some things real quick. Like in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. But Moses replied to the Lord, please, Lord, I have never been eloquent. You have a pastor that could say that. Either in the past or recently or since you have been speaking to your servant because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. So immediately, on God showing Moses what he wanted him to do with his life, he said, I can't do it. And it says there that Moses was up, that God was upset with Moses, fiery. And he said, you have your brother Aaron. And Aaron became the first high priest, if you will, uh, of that establishment. But he said, Aaron would speak for you. And he did. Then later on in Exodus chapter 17, I began to think about this with Moses' life. It says in verse 11 and 12 of Exodus 17, while Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. But whenever he put his hand down, Amalek prevailed. Hmm. While when Moses' hands grew heavy, he took a stone and, and put it under him, and he sat down on it. Then Aaron and, and her supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. Now listen to me, what I do know and what I don't know. I don't know if this was spiritual, okay, all right, here the leader has got his hands up, so God is blessing. I don't know. Nowhere it says. I don't know if it was morale. I don't know if they looked up on the hill and they saw Moses celebrating. We're winning. 
They were excited and they took the next guy on. I don't know. So I don't know if it was morale. I don't know if it was just, if it's just celebratory. I don't know if it's spiritual. If you know that's great, you can be in my small group and help me out, okay? But this is what I do know. When his hands were up, they were winning. When his hands went down, they were, they were losing. And what did he need? He needed Aaron and her, not H-E-R-H-U-R, to come along two men, and they held his hand up as he sat on the rock. You know what that says to me? Every, every one of us at some time or another needs someone to come alongside of us and help us win. And all of God's people said, See, the moment we think, oh, I don't need anybody. I got God. I don't need anybody. There's too much scripture that says to the contrary. Hmm. This just came to mind. I remember thinking, I'm going to put this in the sermon. It didn't make it. Remember Jesus? Y'all know, y'all know him, son of God who died on the cross for us? Remember what he said in the Garden of Gethsemane when we went and prayed and he came back and they were asleep? The son of God said, can't you stay awake one hour with me? Even Jesus in his humanity needed a small group in his life. Let me give you one more with Moses. He even needed Joshua. I said, Brother Jay, I don't, I don't know about that. You might not know this, but Joshua was, was Moses' mentoree. Moses mentored him and mentored him. And, and it, what's unique is when Moses was, was stepped aside, if you will, and Joshua comes on the scene in leadership, the children of Israel went further than they ever did, ever did with Moses. And I think the reason is because Moses mentored him. I want to show you something in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. It says the Lord would speak with Moses face to face just as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. His assistant, the young man Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the inside of the tent. So while all this is going on in Moses' life, he had someone else there with him. I think there's always security and strength with someone else that comes alongside, no matter what the relationship is. I heard this long time ago, and it's not original to me, but success without a successor is a sure failure. I wanted you to see that today. You need to just remember that in some of the things that we do. Success without a successor is a sure failure. One more I want to give you today is this, is that together is better. <laughs> Number three, yes, it starts with SIG, so it just worked, but it came to mind. You don't need to Sigmund Freud it, all right? Let that one sink in. You don't need to psychoanalyze. I could ask for a show of hands, and some of you are mighty guilty. You analyze things to death. You know, you can't just accept it for being, okay, God, that's what you want in my life. Somehow we have, you know, we all have an opinion. Do y'all know anybody like that? Huh? Are you in the room, and the first time somebody shares something with you, you have an opinion? If you're like me, a lot of times you spend time getting things right with God and other people because you've said stuff that wasn't right because you've got an opinion before you have anything else. Don't overthink it. Sometimes we just need to, like the Nike commercial, we just need to do it. Often many are guilty of overanalyzing and we say things or have an opinion of things instead of just doing what we need to do. Hmm. Some would say, I don't need anyone else. I told you I would say it two or three times. If we have a mindset that I can handle and it's okay and I'm a one-man band, I guarantee you there's either something in the past or a misunderstanding of what you have in your life. I'm not here to hurt you, but I've been there. I know what it's like to realize that I'm not letting other people in. There have been occasions the last couple of years of my life, I'm being very transparent with you, this has been very real in my life, that I'm not going to let anybody in. I'm just swallowing it. And I realize that stuff there after a period of time is not healthy at all. It's hard sometimes to know what we need to do. Alone, it's just going to be pointed, but I just made a little list here. <laughs> Alone... We couldn't procreate. Huh? Isn't it amazing how we come up with this stuff? Oh, that's okay alone. No, it's not. 
You wouldn't be here if it, if it was all complete loneliness. Alone, we wouldn't have the body of Christ. We would just be part of the body. But God didn't call us to be part of the body. He called us to be part of the body. Huh? He called me to be part of you and you'd be part of me. If we were totally alone, we'd be less fulfilled. If we were totally alone, we'd be less powerful. We've already established that biblically the first week. If we were totally alone and by ourselves, we'd be less efficient in whatever we do. Just alone. That's all we'd be. Hmm. See, many times people say, well, it's still what I think we should do. I'm overlined. I'm overthinking. Then you're no more than God, undoubtedly. Because God's told us again and again and again in the scriptures. I went and read and debated on whether to put how many of them in there. But you go read Paul's writings about the church and you will find multiple. And I'm talking about dozens of scriptures that remind us to build each other up, to be engaged in each other's life, to confess our faults to each other, to pray one for another. It's on and on it goes. These things one after another, after another, after another that tell us to be involved and engaged in each other's life. To value each other even more than we do ourselves. And then I think about the scriptures. I've shared this one every week. You need to hear it one more time. But Ecclesiastes 4.9 says this. Two are better than one because they have a reward for their efforts. It didn't say sometimes they are, did it? Two are better. Not occasionally, not most of the time, not some of the time. Every time, two are better than one. We need to hear that. And not just for small groups. I need to hear that every day of my Christian life that involving somebody in my life is better. Hmm. Secondly, I'll give you one more. Hebrews 10, 25 says, not neglecting to gather together as the sum, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. The writer in Hebrews is talking about the last days. And it said, we don't need to forsake the assembling of ourselves. We need to come together. And as we think, listen, watch this now. As we th see things get worse in our world, and I don't know about you, but don't things seem to be worse? Huh? Doesn't there's, I have more conversation with people about instability in our world today than ever. Doesn't it look like that way? Doesn't it seem in America we're more divided now than ever? Doesn't it, doesn't it, uh, you, you can't sit across the table at somebody. It's it just, we're, it seems like we're set up to divide. We're set up to, to be at odds with people. I don't know if America will ever come together again. And then you put that on the world scope or the global scope, uh, scope and, and it seems to be worse. And here's a verse that tells us, that if that's the case, we need to be together more, not less. <laughs> Put it back up there, guys. I got some people, I don't know if they believe what I just said. Look at the last of it. We need to be together and all the more as you see the day approaching. So as it gets worse, all right, whatever the scenario, we need to be together more, not less. And, and I wish I could call back some of the years that I was so stuck on myself and wherever I was passionate that I thought this is where it's happening. This is where you meet God, but I believe that everything about me, we grow in small community. I do. Uh, and I've heard, I've heard testimonies from our Wednesday nights and Sunday nights and, and Sunday mornings right now while we're having this service. There are groups you can see in here that are meeting at the same time. There were several groups that met during the first. Many of you are already involved. And what Rick has developed, and I want to share with you today because we got to go, but uh, you have this, and if you don't have one, we need to put it in your hand. It actually says salt and light group, sign up, and it has another picture of the salt and light. Somebody developed it, and I love that. It's like the light bulb is a salt shaker, all right? And uh, so both of those are there, so, and I want you to fill that out. Whether you're all, you've been involved in a small group forever, fill it out. It has the thing on here for you to say that. 
If you're not involved in one, we're not going to browbeat you. I hope you've seen it. I hope if you've been engaged with me for three weeks in this service, in this gathering, you know my heart. As I said earlier, and I think in the last service maybe, if, if, if you don't believe it, hopefully you know that I believe it, all right? And, and so the idea is, is that fill out this information so that we can have it on you, but it's about you, but also it can help you to decide. I want you to take, fill this out and then take this before the Lord and say, God, where do you want me? See, I believe if you go back to that ladder that we talked about, if small group participation is not in your life the way it needs to be, then you're not going to be everything God needs you to be. And there's going to be a time, you know, it happens. I already alluded to it, but the saddest thing that I hear in church work is when somebody says, I was by myself. I think the church is guilty sometimes, okay? The church is guilty because there have been times we didn't have this in place for you. And I just had to wear it. But that's not the case now. I'm telling you, folks, if you're on the mountaintop today, listen, there's coming a valley, all right? Jesus said in this world you're going to have trouble. Who are you going to turn to when you have trouble, all right? You're not going to come in a big sanctuary and just come to the altar and pray. I tell you who you turn to. You turn to your quick dial, your speed dial, folks, <laughs> you know? You, 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 you call your favorites on your cell phone. That's who you turn to. We call that small group in the church, all right? And you can have a network outside the church, but I believe spiritually, if we're going to be what God needs us to be as a church, but for sure as individuals, we've got to have a small group, all right? So I want you to fill that out. Uh, we're going to have ushers at the door. We, we want this one when you leave, okay? Which is the one with the little red light bulb, salt shaker thing. And uh, that. If, you're, if you're one of these technos, tech people, that QR code at the bottom, you can do it that way. And uh, it will come to us as well, all right? Listen, this is how I want to end. I want to do something a little different. Miss, Miss uh, Sheila, if you'll get ready. I, I want to show you what um, C.S. Lewis said. Uh, look at this, guys. Y you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. I don't know where you are in your journey. <laughs> um, I, I don't want to say too much, but uh, I've shared this with a good many folks. The, the last little while has been pretty tough for me individually. I don't know why it is. I, next month I turn 58. I'm joining some of you. I can now go to teenagers and they don't even make sure I'm the pastor when I get there. I'm actually old enough to be a member. Maybe it's what's gone on in family a little while. Maybe it's been at ministry for won't be too many more years. It'll be four decades. My point is there's a lot of things, you know. My body don't feel like it used to. Y'all can laugh at that. It's all right. You know, it, 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 I don't know. But you know what I've discovered? And it's happened for me this past week. You know what I discovered? Getting alone with somebody of like faith and sharing your heart with them and them praying over you is gold. We're going to invite you to come to an altar in a few minutes, but even that is going to be isolated. There are going to be people that we ask to pray over you, but they're not going to get in your business. I forbid them to ask you what, for them to ask what's going on in your life between you and the Lord. But if we're not careful, folks, we've cleaned up so well around each other that we've limited the presence of God in our midst. Did you understand what I said? I've already established that. Confess your faults one to another. 
and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You know what we do? I ain't letting nobody in preaching. I'm not going to let anybody see my dirt. I'm not going to let anybody see my failures. I'm not going to let anybody see my scars. So I just live this life like everything's great. And we come to church like everything's great. And we go home like everything's great. And all the time we're getting further and further away from his glory.